I have called up in all my years of sorcery no god or devil, no demon or lich or shadow which I could not control fascination contending in his brain. He was thoroughly known by few. But it's and the thing was a streaming ooze of charnel pollution, a foulness beyond the black leprosies of hell, had gone forth and I could bear it no men more. Chase a noble stag in the nearby forest. Overtaking horse and rider, he caught them with one hand. Dreaming of conquest and of vast necromancies, and the shadows they were and women, it is told, me picked up as they fled and pulled limb from limb as a child might quarter an insect. The double shadow. Hello, and welcome to The Double Shadow, a podcast exploring the weird fiction of 20th century writer Clark Ashton Smith. I'm Tim. I'm Phil. And I'm Ruth. And this week we'll be covering The Last Incantation. And this cycle of stories is not set in Averone, as we wrapped up in our last few podcasts. No, we are moving on to Poseidonus. It's a whole new world. Now, Poseidonus is like Atlantis, but it's the last remaining part of Atlantis, which I don't know how long it's been, but it seems like centuries that Atlantis has been slowly breaking off and falling into the sea. Finally, all you've got left is this small island continent that I, I take it is much smaller even than Australia. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's very big, although we don't learn a lot about it in this story. No, we, we learn who who is a very po- a person who's very powerful in this story. The next story we really do learn a lot about, Poseidon yeah. as such. So this story first appeared in the June 1930 issue of Weird Tales, which comes kind of close to fitting my perfect Weird Tales issue criteria because it also featured uh, Rats in the Walls and Part 3 of Robert E. Howard's Tale of the Moon of Skulls, which I don't think is a Conan story. But That would give it extra points. Yeah, Rats in the Walls and, and The Last Incantation. I mean, that's, that's, that's not bad. It's not a... Uh, not perfect, but it's close. I also can't stop picturing a moon made out of skulls right now. Yeah, it's it's a, an evocative image. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> it might also be worth noting that Smith based uh, Poseidonus on theosophical scripture about Atlantis, and that's Madame Blavatsky and her whole crew were the theosophists. Where, did he also base it a bit on Moo? Or is it Moo or Mew? Uh, I always said Moo. Like a cow says. But Mu and Lemuria would be the, the sunken seas yeah. in the Pacific. The Pacific and Indian. Malagris the magician sat in the topmost room of his tower that was builded on a conical hill above the heart of Susran, capital of Poseidonus. Wrought of a dark stone mined from deep in the earth, perdurable and hard as the fabled adamant, His tower loomed above all others and flung its shadow far on the roofs and domes of the city, even as the sinister power of Malagris had thrown its darkness on the minds of men. Now Malagris was old, and all the baleful might of his enchantments, all the dreadful or curious demons under his control, all the fear that he had wrought in the hearts of kings and prelates, were no longer enough to assuage the black ennui of his days. Boom, I, I done. Love, I is love it, the, the bored necromancer. I've been saying Malagree. Is it Malagris? I've been saying Malagris just because we're not in France. And, huh. or well, Everon. I guess I just failed Poseidon test number one. 
Yeah, I've been saying Malagris too, but I kind of like Malagri. Maybe we, it's our job to come up with the grammar and pronunciation of all these Poseidonian words. So as far as like an introduction to a new setting, I thought this was pretty awesome. And like instantly Clark Ashton Smithian, because it's, I mean, we know because we know what Poseidonus is, that it's like he's on the last aisle of a sunken continent. But even beyond that, you have this sort of like woeful, sad, old, super-powered necromancer who's like, who has black ennui of, of his days, which is just pretty... Yeah. Um, it answers the question, what happens when a necromancer learns everything? Like, just Yeah, everything. I know. And he go, he kind of goes out of his way in these first two paragraphs to let us know just how much of a bad dude Malagris was. The sinister power of Malagris and that the fear he had wrought in the hearts of kings and prelates. Then the first image we get of him is just sad, hanging out in his chair that's fashioned of the ivory of mastodons. He has some amazing stuff yeah. in this room. And I don't, I don't have the story in front of me, stupidly, so I can't remember what else is, is in there, aside from the carpets made of the hair of, like, black and white ape men or yeah. something. He's got this stuff scattered about his room. The skulls of men and monsters... Files filled with black or amber liquids, just black or amber. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. O- only right. those two. He's got little drums, apparently many, of vulture skin, crotali <laughs> made from the bones and teeth of cockadrill, which are crocodiles. His mosaic floor is partly covered with the skins of enormous black and silver apes. And here comes the blast and best uh-huh. part, Tim. Tell us. <laughs> Above the door hung the head of a unicorn in which dwelt the familiar demon of Malagris in the form of a coral viper with a pale green belly and ashen modelings. So not like the skull of a unicorn, the head of a unicorn. No, the head. I just, I think we really need to focus in on this yeah. image because I can't quite fathom it. I know. Like, it's it's hung, but like, mm-hmm. how... How high is it hung and by what means right. is it on like a meat hook? Because again, it's not a skull. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I think of it as, as, as mounted. Like on a plaque. It, I don't know if it's stuffed or not or just magically preserved, but, but yeah, then, like on, on a piece yeah. of wood. How big is a coral viper? I don't know, but I think it lives in its mouth and maybe has eaten out the brain. That's This is just my theory. I like to think that it's kind of like a genie in the bottle kind of thing and the coral viper demon <laughs> has a like cushy living area and sort of like sits in there and and smokes um, a hookah pipe until he gets called upon. (laughs) Well, it is technically a, um, a demon. Yeah. It's a demon in a, yeah, in a coral viper form. Coral vipers are pretty big though, I think. Oh, are they? Like, I I remember this from snake reading. From snake school? Special interests. (laughs) Did you get an A-plus in snake school? Like, did you graduate with honors? No, I got an A-plus in bats and polar bears. (laughs) Uh, If coral vipers are big, then I'm wondering on what scale unicorns in Atlantis existed. Like, were they the size of mammoths, too? And if so, awesome. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be much more awesome than I had thought. So what's Malagri's problem? Like what why is he so emo? He's done everything. Yeah. He just it's done. And we learn in a later story about him, which will be our last Poseidon yeah. story. But I think it's okay to say here they say he's thrown his darkness over the minds of men and he people bring him tribute and he's totally set up sweet and he's bored he's like alexander and there's no more worlds to conquer
The thoughts of Malagras were dark with immitigable melancholy, and weariness filled his heart as ashes fill the hearth where a great fire has died. Immovable he sat, implacable he mused, while the sun of afternoon declining on the city and on the sea that was beyond the city smote with autumnal rays through the window of greenish-yellow glass and touched his shrunken hands with its phantom gold and fired the bales rubies of his rings till they burned like demonian eyes. But in his musings there was neither light nor fire and turning from the grayness of the present, from the darkness that seemed to close in so imminently upon the future, he groped among the shadows of memory, even as a blind man who has lost the sun, and seeks it everywhere in vain. That's one of the best sunsets I've ever read in fiction, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, my note on this was just that it doesn't get much more, uh, I think, quintessentially Clark Ashtonian yeah. than like an aged evil necromancer staring across a doomed world and thinking about how awesome the past was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Clark Ashton Smith, captain of the obsessed with the past poetry debate. I, I don't even know what that would mean, but I like that note. It means you get up and you do like slam poetry about obsessions with the past. Oh, okay. <laughs> but like romantic slam poetry. Yeah. Let's yes, move on. Please. <laughs> what conclusion does he come to here? What, what thoughts does he rest on in his musings? Well, he remembers before he was a necromancer, back when he was in love with a beautiful girl named Nylissa. Uh, and I love, I love this passage. He loved her in days ere the lust of unpermitted knowledge and necromantic dominion had ever entered his soul. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining he was like five. So I feel like if you're Malagris, like at the, at the age of six, you're like, yeah, you know what? All of this, it will someday be under my shadow. <laughs> 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 well, I like the theory that that he became this because she died. She died, that's, and he conquered the world. That's true, but in... but the implication is that he hasn't. He's totally forgotten about her when he has this memory. It's true. So it's not like he conquered the world. Well, maybe he conquered the world to forget about her. I don't know, Ruth. You're you're okay, throwing out fine. some bombs here. I can't even. I can't even keep up. Okay, fine. Ruth is definitely trying to put the romance in this necromancer. I mean, it might be the like the creating moment of his life. It could be. I mean, I don't. I don't know. Who knows? Well, the fact that she died of a mysterious fever on the eve of their wedding day makes me think that he reacted by, say, I don't know, burying himself in forgotten Yeah, that, that would be that. interesting if he delves into his arcane path to do what essentially he does in the story later on, but then just forgets about it because he gains all this power. And now it's this like little yeah. half-forgotten memory. Necromancy is a is a mistress all her own. What do you think the implication of her dying of a mysterious fever coincidentally on their wedding day is? I mean, it feels to me like a whole unwritten story just in the fact that it's not a fever, it's a mysterious fever, and that it happened the day before they got married. Like it feels like it feels to me like she was killed, but it, yeah, it feels I mean, like a setup. But yeah. There's no real hints. Yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing beyond that one with that one phrase. Maybe it's just meant to make it extra sad. It seems like a total afterthought at this point. Like, oh, wait, I was going to get married? I wonder what happened to that girl. <laughs> In his dreams arose the irretrievable sons of youth. And that's not S-O-N-S, because that would be weird. <laughs> so he has this thought about this girl that, that he had forgotten about and that it was clearly... I, I guess I guess what we can say is that it was the moment that, that Malagris lost his innocence, I, I think. I think we can say that mm -hmm. with assurance. And then uh, there's this line, 
now addressing the demonian viper that dwelt in the head of the unicorn, uh, <laughs> which is that's, just awesome. That's pretty fantastic. That's yeah. And so Melagris says to the demon inside the unicorn head, Viper, am I not Melagris, in whom is centered the mastery of all occult lore, all forbidden dominations, with dominion over the spirits of earth and sea and air, over the solar and lunar demons, over the living and the dead? If I so desire, can I not call this girl Melissa, in the very semblance of all her youth and beauty, and bring her forth from the never-changing shadows of the cryptic tomb to stand before me in this chamber, in the evening rays of this autumnal sun? Yes, Master. It is possible, if you so desire. Viper, is it well, is it meet, that I should summon her thus? Will there be nothing to lose and nothing to regret? The viper seemed to hesitate, then in a slow and measured hiss. It is meet for Malagris to do as he would. Who save Malagris can decide if a thing be well or ill. I love the equivocating demon, snake demon. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey boss, you do what you want, yeah, you know? Yeah. I'm not going to tell you to do it. I'm not going to tell you not to do it. You know, we'll just see what happens. It's your call, dude. <laughs> I also like the the fact that they emphasize this is an autumnal sun, and it's just it's so many images in that you've got Poseidonus, which is dying, yeah. you have Malagris, who is aging, yeah. you have the idea of him calling her forth into this autumnal and sunset. Of course, is always the end of the day anyway. So just so many metaphors, so many so many illusions tied up in just that fact that it's an autumnal sunset. Yeah, it's true. Do you think um, that the demon is afraid of Malagris, or do you think that he if he knows? Do you, think if he, I think, do you think if he told him no, he would have done it anyway, and he knows that? Or what do you think the relationship between um, the unicorn head dweller and Malagris <laughs> is? I think it's the demon that lives in the unicorn head knows probably more than Malagris knows, because Malagris is ultimately a, a human. He's aging, he's dying. As powerful as he is, he's still limited by humanity, but the... Coral Viper seems to know. To answer your question, I think the Coral Viper, and I think he goes back and says this later, the Coral Viper knows what's going to happen, but he also knows that, yeah, if he tells um no, Malagris is going to say, well, you know what, I'm going to do it anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think the snake is especially afraid of him. I just think he's... Yeah, it's probably more like he just knows him well enough to know that... Because he's also super, he's also super flattering. Which yeah. Is, yeah. So in fact, Malagris thinks about it, and then he says, "You know what? I'm going to do it." And there's this whole big ritual thing that I didn't have any readings from, but it's a pretty cool description of a ritual. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of chanting and burning of incense and reading. Doesn't he like light? He like light fi lights fires and then blows them out, but the light. Stage, yeah. I thought was uh -huh. pretty cool. And the a long narrow scroll of gray vellum with purple and vermilion runes. Very cool. You get the feeling from it that maybe he hasn't done any fun and exciting spells right. in a while. Like, he's had this power for so long that it's like, ooh, I get to dust off all my yeah. stuff and use He's it. like, you know what? I'm going to do it all ritual. I'm going to ritual this one out. I'm taking my time <laughs> with it. You make him sound so dirty. I think, I think, and this just popped in my head now, I think if we were, if there was a movie of Malagris the Magician, I would get Rip Torn to play him. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, that's uh, wow, that's. I would I would love to yeah. see that. Like Man of the Earth era, right. Rip Torn would be awesome because oh, he just wants to bone, just... you know. <laughs> yeah, Rip Torn just wants to bone and get trashed. <laughs> 
Who is the and have a beard? His beard isn't quite as long as Malagris's though, which is really is it, isn't long, it? Rip but... Torn, who there's a video of like stabbing um, some famous author. I don't know. I no, think that I, there he's is. a crazy dude, though. He's, I mean, he's legit a crazy man. It's awesome. he got drunk and tried to break into a bank because he thought it was his house. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he lives in a house full of money. Well, I live where the money <laughs> exactly. is. I think that was his reasoning. Hey, I got a lot of money. This must be my house. Yeah. Okay. Here's what it is. Rip Torn and Norman Mailer had a brawl oh, uh, in which <laughs> I don't know who stabbed who. But it was, uh, okay, here's how it goes. Torn hits Mailer in the head with a hammer. <laughs> and then Mailer responds by trying to chew off Rip Torn's ear. <laughs> what? Wow, that's, that's really special. Yeah, this is how they were shooting a movie together. Rip Torn allegedly decided to take it upon himself to quote-unquote improvise an attack by hitting Mailer on the head with oh a small hammer, God. drawing blood. Mailer retaliated by tackling and then nearly chewing Torn's ear off as they grappled viciously. And it rapidly escalated really into an unhinged on camera brawl as Mailer's horrified kids screamed in terror. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's that's horrifying. <laughs> wow. I hope okay. that that makes it into the episode. That's one I think one of our greatest digressions. <laughs> but yeah, Rip Torn is Malagris. I'm into <clears throat> Okay, so he does this ritual and then what happens? Does he summon does he end up is he able to summon Nylissa? Uh, yeah, she totally shows up. Yep. And he asks, so the apparition shows up and he asks the apparition, are you Nylissa? And the apparition says, yeah, I totally am. Not in those words, but she answers in the affirmative. She says, yes, I am Nylissa. You know, it's, it's, Thanks, a pretty, it's a pretty utilitarian line as far as Clark Ashton Smith is concerned. <laughs> yeah. It is Nylissa, um, and it, it, at first he looks at her and he's like, yes, this, is, this totally looks right. But then he starts to doubt. Something uh, about it is just a little bit off something about her just doesn't quite match his memories of her she starts looking kind of ordinary yeah and like i think he at first he questions his own abilities like maybe his incantation was was wrong and mm -hmm. then like the more he looks at her the more off it seems uh and in the end like i thought this was crazy like he just dismisses her he doesn't even say goodbye no. to it he's just like he just like yeah. snaps his fingers and she's gone yeah. Uh, which is pretty brutal. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not even like she'd gotten old or something. You know, you know, her hair had been ebony and black and lustrous, and now suddenly it's just dark. And she'd been slender, and now she's skinny, and it's harsh. So after the um, Phantom is gone, Malagri turned to the Viper and spoke in a tone of melancholy reproof. Why did you not warn me? What would the warning have availed? All knowledge was yours, Malagris, except this one thing, and in no other way could you have learned it. What thing, queried the magician? I've learned nothing except the vanity of wisdom and the impotence of magic, the nullity of love, and the delusiveness of memory. Tell me, why can I not recall to life the same Nalissa whom I knew or thought I knew? It was indeed Nalissa whom you summoned and saw. Your necromancy was potent up to this point, but no necromantic spell could recall for you your lost youth, or the fervent and guileless heart that loved Nylissa, or the eyes that beheld her then. This, my master, was the thing you had to learn. And that's the end of the story. Yep. 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 
it's like a story with a lesson. Yeah, it's I know. Totally. I love like this story is like strangely biblical to me. Not because of the snake, but just because it's like a weird parable about how you can't reclaim things. What am I trying to say? That your that, uh, things in your memory can never really be real. Like your thoughts and your memories are different from real life, and you can't lust you can after something that's past. Yeah, exactly. You can never go home again. True, but there's. I think there's also. Well, that yeah, I agree with all that. I also think that it's interesting that kind of like the viper is in a sense saying to him that he. He isn't even looking with the same eyes. Right. Like, he, he's just, mm -hmm. he's changed too much. Like, you know, you can never enter the same stream twice kind of thing. Oh, yeah, kind of that's thing. true. Yeah, it's not just the stream that changes, it's you. I love his response, though, because it's so... <laughs> I love that he says he hasn't learned anything and then proceeds to list these, these like, <laughs> three... Or no, four incredibly ridiculous over-the-top things like the vanity of wisdom, the impotence of magic, the yeah. nullity of love, and as if that wasn't enough, <laughs> the delusiveness of memory. <laughs> chill, Malagrius, chill. And that's where we leave him until he dies. Tim and I have a have a have a disagreement about how to envision Malagrius in his playhouse. I choose to view it as some kind of weird, off-kilter, heavily decayed. Pee-wee's Playhouse, I think largely because of the, like, you call on this weird thing in, in a box, even though the box is unicorn head. Um, <laughs> oh, oh yeah. is that, what, is that where totally this like is coming Pee -wee's from? It's, it's Jombie? Yeah, it's Jombie. <laughs> if Jombie lived in a unicorn head, imagine how amazing Pee-wee's, I mean, Pee-wee's Playhouse is pretty amazing anyway, it is. but imagine how amazing that would have been. <laughs> yeah, I picture it more as a kind of exactly what smith is writing about that he's a you know this, uh, this withered tim i don't know that i like your implication this withered necromancer um. that has nothing to do with children shows or no i do, I do like the idea of a disillusioned necromancer because we haven't gotten one yet tim your view of a necromancer is jaded by the nearly 100 years that separate you from the writing of this, of this story Oh, for Pete's sake. <laughs> All I'm saying is imagine Rip Torn, shirtless, with a cape on, and probably just underwear, stomping around Pee-wee's Playhouse, and demanding that a snake emerge from a unicorn head. He's probably doing that right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, you say in your notes, where do we put Malagris on the scale of necromancers? I would put him pretty high, if not at the top. I would too, yeah. Yeah, I would have to put him at the top just because he's a necromancer who managed to control an entire dying yeah. continent. And he's kind of like, uh, despite the amount of necromancers in Averone, we're not really ever brought very close to their perspective. Yeah. Like, I really, yeah. like, even though this is a short story, a very short story, and Malagris doesn't do much, I really feel like I know him. Like, I, mm -hmm. I feel very close to Malagris. I want him to... Uh, you want <laughs> I want him. And it's funny because one of the last stories, if not the last story, also deals with Malagoras, and it's a completely different take on the character. Mm -hmm. It's more how other people are viewing him, and it's pretty frightening. Yeah, and I find that just a fantastic opener, closer, yeah. mm -hmm. You and you have his effect on everybody, which is another reason I would rate him yeah. so high. Yeah, I would put him at the top is with that... an asterisk, because we haven't gotten to Zothik yet. I mean, of, of, of the necromancers that we've become intimate yes. with. I would rank him as the best performer. That's true. He doesn't have a skeletal empire. God, I love those necromancers. Oh, man. So we want to remind you that we have forums that you can sign up for and discuss the stories and, you know, anything that we didn't 
mention or anything that we got wrong, you know, feel free to go on the forum and uh, chastise us. What's the, I don't know the URL off the top of my head. It's just the doubleshadow.com slash forums. And there's a link to it on our main site too. Join today. Also, speaking of our main site and our general setup, we've put a link in our sidebar, which allows you to donate to the show. Anything is appreciated. We have hosting and we also have media hosting that we do so that we can have the site, the forums, and have the podcast hopefully never crap out on us. Seems like a good media host so far. So anyway, if you like the podcast, we'd appreciate any little bit of change you threw our way. Next week, we voyage to Safafsava. Safumamoe. Safamoe. Safamoe. Venus. Yes. Next week, we voyage to Venus. Are we on? Is this, is this live? Oh, hello, listeners.